As you grow your business, the more eyes you'll get, the more you need to think about your security. Let me ask you something. Are you vulnerable? Protecting your data is extremely important. Don't be fooled by Instagram. The internet can still be a scary space. At the current moment, the dark web accounts for 5% of the total internet. And all hell can break loose without the right framework to keep your company data protected. That's why today's episode is brought to you by NordVPN. What's VPN stand for? It stands for Virtual Private Network, a service that encrypts your internet traffic and protects your online identity. With a VPN, you can securely access apps, websites, and entertainment from anywhere in the world. Picture a virtual force field around your computer. NordVPN is one of the best VPNs in the market. If you're looking for a peace of mind when you're at home on a private network, this is for you. Also, is that messaging app blocked in your region? That awesome TV show, unavailable in the country you live in? Change your IP location and enjoy the internet with no borders. Y'all know the Canadian struggle. Trust me, it's real. Right now, you have offer up to 68% off NordVPN. Yes, yeah, 68%. Hit the link in our podcast show notes for the offer. It does expire soon, so claim it quickly. Now, let's get back into the show. A wise man told me, don't argue with fools, because people from afar can't tell who's who. Jeez. You feel me? Yeah, that came hard, bro. You ready, You ready, fam? I'm ready to pod. I'm in my potting seating sequence, and I'm just ready to spit hot fire on the mic. Spit hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> please don't say that again, please. Super no. hot fire, bro. Oh, my God. You remember that video? It just like what was like a super hot fire? Yeah, sweet dollar tea from McDonald's. I <gasps> drink that. <laughs> oh my god. I'm about to end this whole man's career. And I'm not even a rapper. Mm. I'm not even a rapper. Everyone went crazy. All right, let's go. Hello and welcome to the Hustle Over Everything podcast. This is the podcast where you receive stories, tips, and strategies from entrepreneurs who've done it. To grow your business and take yourself to the next level as a person. Later today in the podcast, we have Paulina Reed. Man, who is Paulina? Paulina is a celebrity, ghostwriter, author, contributing writer to Forbes magazine, senior contributing writer, excuse me, and a consultant who helps women achieve the best version of themselves. Her pitch is that she's a journalist and celebrity ghostwriter, but her clients often refer to her as their content ninja. She helps high-profile leaders and doers who are shaping the future from their personal stories and turn it into personal brand assets. Think Judy Smith meets Cardi B. Oh, man. This is a great pod, bro. What do you think about it? I, I, it was a great pod. I've waited so long for this interview with uh, Paulina just because I've known her for years, a couple of years now. Mm. Uh, it all started when we met at uh, Branded TO. She was actually one of the uh, leaders who was like leading a, a workshop, right? And I met her in there. Uh, you know, when I first met her, I saw someone who's very determined. I think like just through her facial expression, you can just tell that she's a determined individual. 
yeah, it's like she knows herself really well. She's super confident. She knows what she wants. And uh, she's never going to let go until she gets it. So uh, doing the podcast, you know, it's one of those people you write down. It's like, man, I'd love to interview her one day. I'd love to get her takes. And because you see her takes on social media and, you know, what she writes. So to have like an hour long podcast with her just to hear how she thinks and her hist- and her story was just amazing, man. And uh, it was an honor to have her on the podcast. Most definitely. Yeah, I love how vulnerable she got. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can tell that she's reached a point where uh, her story is completely 100% owned, you know, and she's living out loud in that story. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing you got to appreciate. You know, a lot of people really don't give that much into it. You know, sometimes they'll just have their pitch with strictly their business and that's kind of it. And they just want to hover around that when it comes to the actual story, the personal story that got them there, they kind of want to, you know, deviate from that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fair, you know, so like if, if you were arrested for, I don't know, like arson, you know, you, you, you don't want to have that in your thing, but hers, you could tell that she had been through a lot and uh, she is like, embracing it and showcasing it to help people so mm-hmm. you can't do nothing but salute that when people do that in real life you know exactly man a lot of entrepreneurs fake the funk in a way that uh, the consistent story they say is just how successful they are how they're killing it but with uh, paulina it's just she keeps it so real and she shares her her failures and the things that she did wrong and it makes you feel comfortable sharing your failures and you know there's nothing wrong with that it kind of goes back to the whole thing about what Gary Vee says about self-awareness, uh-huh. right? Paulina like definitely like has that like self-awareness where she talks about, I feel like she talks more about the things that she could work on and improve on than the things that she's winning at, right? Which I love about it. It just shows like how authentic and vulnerable as you said she, yeah, she is. So yeah, man, great, great individual, great woman. And uh, overall just a great entrepreneur word 100 man 100 yo but i didn't ask how you doing and i didn't even introduce you either i'm alex for the listeners i'm owen osinde from oh, the man. motherland in kenya exactly and i'm from canada um through jamaica you feel me all right so how you doing bro man it's been uh it's been one of those weeks that has just been like transport uh, transformative you know how like i told you like i'm looking for like a new spot I'm looking to to get a, a new change of environment. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing, bro. Uh, as you know, like I've been in my current situation for since 2014. So this was like my uni spot. So it's like a it's a basement apartment I share with uh, two other guys, and been here since 2014, bro. This place has legit molded me. It's shaped me to a strong man, right? I mean, I've seen the trenches in this spot i remember when i first moved into this spot was when i first dropped out of ryerson uh my friend toby saraga and i we moved to liberty village it didn't work out i found I, I slept on my cousin's couch for a month then i found this spot and at this time i didn't have a job bro and i remember paying rent in change man you know like because when i dropped out of school my parents weren't talking to me so i had to find a way just to make things happen for myself and um it was it was such a horrible not horrible it was such a tough time man and i was i got a job working at the Ian center at abercrombie i was working at abercrombie kids and the shifts were so inconsistent and i got that job and legit i was working to live man with all the shifts i had i could just pay rent 
And I remember when I was at Liberty Village, I had the Rogers bill on my name, right? I had the Rogers bill on my name and I forgot. I didn't forget, but I told Toby, hey, switch this to your name. And, you know, we didn't switch it. So I ended up with this massive Rogers bill and he ended up switching to a different provider because it was not his name. So I have this Rogers bill and I ended up getting sent to collections, man. So imagine like I owe like a couple, like a thousand bucks and I got rent, I got food to eat, whatever. I don't have a consistent income. And I remember walking on Dundas Street West and I was just like, tears just came down my eyes, bro. You know, because how hard it was, man. And that was just, you hit rock bottom. And honestly, bro, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, I learned how to live with nothing and make the the best out of anything. I became such a frugal individual. I learned how to save money. I learned how to stretch food. I knew where the best spots to shop for groceries are at. I knew how to be very thrifty learning where to get like the best deals for everything, phone bill, whatever you name it, I could find a way to make it happen. So yeah. So this spot has seen through my evolution from Ryerson. This table has seen my greatest ideas come to life. Sneaker deck recruits, relationships, you know, thoughts, everything, man, you know, but I will not say this. I have decided to change my scenery of course this place is like extremely affordable and cheap but it's time to take the next level so i've been looking at my own uh spots uh apartment studio just shopping around and um you know i'm nearing to closing a deal on one spot nice so i went there the whole of yesterday i spent apartment shopping just seeing what like is out there what is uh available Mm -hmm. and um yeah man and um I'm excited, bro. I'm I hear excited. that. Yeah, all right, real quick. Um, what is your best stretching method for food? Okay. So the best stretching method for food is finding, is eating dry foods, right? So this is like the pastas, <clears throat> the the beans, um, all these different things. You can you you can legit take 20 bucks. So this is what I did. And the people that know me knew this was like how I stretched food like forever, right? You can get eggs, which can be a protein. You can get pasta. Uh, you know, my favorite is fusilli. And that's, that thing is like a dollar a bag, right? So you get like five or six bags of those. You get like pasta sauce. You get two of those, which is like close to like three bucks each or two fifty, depending if you shop at like no frills or whatever. And then you buy your, um, your rice. You buy like a bag of rice, which is one-time purchase. You buy a primo pasta, not primo pasta, but it's like the tomato sauce, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then you can buy, um, you can go to Chinatown and you can get like a full um, uh, drumsticks, about like 10 drumsticks in one thing. It's like four bucks, right? So, I mean, you're close to $20, past $20, but that way, bro, you got breakfast, you got some fruits, you got your pastas and you got your rice and everything. That's all you need. And then you can throw in an oatmeal there for breakfast too, which is like very, very good. So that's what I used to do, bro. I used to shop in, I mean, I lived in Chinatown. I used to go to the China stops and get the veggies there, go get the pastas, and it just worked. I mean, and I still do that, man. Like, legit. 
I still do that. My my grocery bill is extremely low, man, just because I know what works for me. I know what's healthy and I know how to make it happen and pop. So I don't have to be spending money out on food and everything. So uh, this is what the struggle teaches you, man. You know, they need to take this Odala Owen Osinde class in, in university, how to be economical in Toronto. Where being economical is a damn skill, bro. You got to uh, master that shit. I got all types of hacks and shit that I use. You know, I haven't paid for yeah, clothes, man. for instance, in a long ass time. I think the yeah, last thing I bought was probably Get Fresh, and that's probably it. Other than that, like, so cheap. Anyways, what's though, your what's method? Up? My methods? Oh, all, right. Like, all right, so real quick, uh, Value Village for, for thrifting shit. Because um, I know, like, was probably, I had a, a little boutique online, right? Not a little boutique, I had a boutique online, so I know how to thrift really well. Uh, and that saves me a lot of money. I know how to how, where where when to buy subscription services like for like, internet. Internet's thirty five bucks, um, so I, I I figured out how to like get a lot of subscription services for cheap. Um, like for one for one one thing I, I know one hack is that um, if you hop on a subscription service, then cancel it. They'll take you to their like um, service to win you back, right? So then and then when the back you can get a discount, and then you can stay on that forever, right? So. Mm. Uh, so you're on you're you're on a like let me talk to the manager type of vibe like you know like you get them like oh, I'm not happy with this I'm leaving and it's like, okay we'll put you on this yeah not the manager but the the other team the manager won't won't give you shit but the winback team that's where the sales is at you know what I'm saying you can get that for like a for like Adobe um you get get that for um yeah a lot of subscription services you know Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man you know also like on credit cards too you can also lower your uh let's say if you i remember i read this in i'll teach you how to be rich by ramit sethi and he talks about how if you talk to the credit card companies and say hey listen they're offering me this they're offering me that they can actually lower and cut down your costs a lot just by talking and asking mm. you know um and this this is going to go into my hustle nation tip of the week so i don't want to reveal it right now but yeah you can do that. You can do the same method you're asking for for credit card companies. Yeah, yeah, that's big. That's big. Um, so yeah, that's some of the things I use. I'm I'm heavy on flip, um, making sure that um, I'm price matching. I'm in Walmart. I'm I'm the worst mm-hmm. in line, taking forever. People looking at me like, nigga, why don't you hurry up? You yeah, know what I'm saying, but uh, I'm getting them discounts every time. So you know, I know, I know how to say a little bit. I know how to say a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into the business tip of the week, man. Yeah, man. By the way, fresh haircut, eh? Do you just get that? Thank you. I just brushed it up. I feel, uh, when I get it? Last week, I, th- I think. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it looks mint. You know, when the light hits that fade, it just looks like it's a nice, it's like with the green. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate you, bro. appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, bro. You know, you got you to gotta pay homage to the cut, man. Uh, I feel you. Shout out to the barber. Oh, All man. right. So, uh, of the week is actually going to be very short. I'll make it short and simple this week. And I want to keep this uh, to all the content creators out there. I want to ask you something like this. What is your top 20 industry questions? Um, Real real quick, for a lot of content creators, a lot of people are running out of content now that they're in COVID. They're creating a lot. And a lot of people want to solidify themselves in their industry, in their niche. Um, I've been studying up on this. And one of the things I found that was really impactful to me was um, the top 20 questions. Um, if you don't have, if you, sorry, if you have not answered the top 20 questions in your niche, then you have an opportunity to do that. 
and present yourself as an expert or as an industry leader or thought leader by answering those questions uh, of your industry or for niche. So um, now the question that comes from that is, where do I find these questions? How do I know? Um, and some of the things you can do is um, use uh, search terms to figure that out. Um, you can try uh, TubeBuddy on YouTube. If you're, um, you can just actually try go incognito tab and uh, search specific terms in your niche on YouTube and on Google and see what pops up because then your your uh, algorithm isn't affecting what's, what you're searching for and giving you tailored results. Also, if you use a VPN, shout out to our channel sponsor, uh, NordVPN, and you're in different areas, you can see what people are searching for in those areas. You can use Google Trends as well as you people are searching for. Um, and giving industry expert knowledge on a specific topic. And even if you're not um, an expert as yet, if you're trying to get there and level up yourself, then um, look at what other people are doing, how they solve problems and use them as example case studies to um, level yourself up in the content you're giving out. You know, this is some of the things I'm looking at um, as I start to create content for um, Hustle Bear Everything and uh, my own stuff for with media. So uh, that's one thing as a easy tip that I can use. Um, and there's um, platforms that you can use to get publications to amplify your message, you know, like Harrow, help a reporter out. Um, so those are some platforms you can use to actually find publications as well to distribute that message. So um, this, that's the ways and methods you can take to leverage industry questions to grow your brand essentially. So that's the business of the week, keeping it short and simple. What are the top 20 questions? Distribute that to your audience niche um, and grow your business. Word, bro. Thank you. Thank you for that, man. Uh-huh. Um, you guys, you know what time it is. Mr. Hustle Nation here for your Hustle Nation tip of the week. Mr. Hustle Muscle, owner Cindy. And then Hustle Nation tip of the week is it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission, you know? Um, and I say this because there's a lot of things that we want and uh, we're always waiting for the approval of someone else when, you know, the thing we can do is that we can just do it. And if we mess up at it is we can just ask for forgiveness. And we mentally put borders around our selves just because there's people around us who they haven't told us that we can do it, uh, but we believe that we've got to ask them to do it before we can do it. So when I say ask for forgiveness, uh, it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. You're better off attempting. And if it works out, it works out. But if it doesn't, it you can just ask for forgiveness. You know, my bad on that. I was trying to do this, this, and that because I saw this, this, and that. And once you adopt this mentality, your whole life is going to open up. You're going to be fearless. You're going to be more enterprising. Uh, you're going to be more industrious in everything that you do. And you're going to live life with no margins because you know that you can always do your best and integral to what you want to do. And if it doesn't work out, if it ends up pissing someone off, you can always just like say, you know what? Hey, this, this, and that. You can apply to anything in your life. It could be that girl that you want to get or that guy and you ask them out and they're like, oh, you know, I just like you as a friend. Da, 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 da. Like, All right, cool. You know, I just want to ask you out, but at least you did it. You know, 
you know, at least you did it. You don't got to ask like, oh, man, should I ask her out? Just go do it. If it doesn't work out, just ask, hey, it's all good, whatever. But in your heart, you're going to sleep knowing that I have nothing that I'm regretting to do. If it's a project at work you want to take on or it's that idea you want to launch for your company, let's say you're an, uh, an individual inside a company, start the project, start the project, do it out, try it out, you know, and then see how people react. If it all fails, what it shows is that you tried, you were willing to take the risk, and out of that comes out respect from your peers. I remember Kobe Bryant, um, when he was his rookie season, I think he was uh, playing against Utah, and he had shot an air ball. This is crunch time. He shot an air ball, missed. Then he shot another air ball. Uh, like uh, I think at overtime, you know, I, I don't want to get the story wrong, but he kept shooting and shooting and shooting in crunch time, but he just kept airballing, airballing. But even though he was airballing, just the audacity to keep shooting and to have that mentality that like, listen, I'm going to make this bucket regardless of what, because I'm that guy. I'm the elite guy. I'm the one who's got the clutch gene inside of me. And if it fails, I'll ask for forgiveness. Then asking for permission to the coach if I can take the shot, even though I'm not the number one option yet. You know what I'm saying? So that's the type of mentality I'm saying that you've got to adopt in everything you do. Is just do it. Believe in yourself. Believe that you can take that shot. And if it fails, ask for forgiveness. People forget super easily. I know we're in this cancel, cancel culture. We've seen so many people canceled a lot, but they keep coming back. So if you're afraid of being canceled, don't worry about that. But just take that shot. If it fails, ask for forgiveness. Keep it moving and keep trying and living your life, man. And that's the mentality that you got to have to really win in life, man. You know, you got, you can't take any permission out here just waiting to be given chances and be given opportunity. You have to go take it. And if you end up falling, so be it. People forgive you, but at least you took the shot. And that is a hustle nation tip of the week, guys. Remember, man, it's all about just taking that first shot. And if it all doesn't work out, man, at least you got another one coming back. 100%, 100%, man. And with that being said, let's hop into our housekeeping items and straight into the pod. Hey guys, before we hop into the podcast, we have a few housekeeping announcements. For free to support the podcast, if you're on Apple, make sure you rate and write a review about our podcast. This makes a huge difference. On Instagram, make sure to take a screenshot and tag us in Instagram stories. It makes a huge difference. It helps us share the podcast out and expand the community. On Twitter, we're at 247Hustlers. And on Facebook, we're Hustle Over Everything. Guys, we were busting our ass, especially Owen, working on their weekly newsletter. It's called The 24-7 Hustle. It covers news in business, music, and culture, all through the lens of entrepreneurship. And for our paid options, guys, we have some great merch on the store. Check it out at hustleovereverything.co. And lastly, our proud to pay program is linked in the description down below. Now let's hop into the show. Here she, she comes. comes. Oh, there she comes. Watch out. Watch out now. This who you are. Paulina Reed in the house. Hey, hey. Yo, I actually got ready for you guys somewhat. Appreciate somewhat. That. 
Appreciate wow. that. Thank you, Paulina. Appreciate that. That's guys, big. guys, what's with people in video? <laughs> Nobody wants to be on a video these days. That's really? why when you ask, I was like, yo, video? I thought she'd, uh, she's all about content. So I thought you'd be all over I know, over video. but like, with, for a woman, it requires us to put on a bra, That's true. put That's on makeup, true. put on our hair. Like, it's a process. So I had to get mm. mentally prepared. That's all. Got you. Got yeah, you. we never took that in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like in like a short sleeve shirt and a hat. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? You guys can just pick up neck. and go. So yeah. there's not much maintenance, you know? I got you. Well, first things first, then thank you for thank getting you. like thank you for putting on the wig. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to your wig. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shout out to your wig collection. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What's up? How are you? Man, I am good. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I'm I'm in good spirits right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, same here. You know, uh, you know, knowing you over the years, uh, meeting you yeah. over like many events. Um, you know, I never saw Toronto? this coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still in Toronto. Oh. I'm at my parents' house, um, but I'm coming back to Toronto like in uh, on the 28th. So, yeah, oh. but we're yes. excited to do this with you. Well, you're from Toronto, correct? Born and raised, yeah. But I spend a lot of my time in New York and LA. Gotcha. So he's in Sarnia. So, because usually we have guests from all over the all over the place. So, like we just say we're in, from Toronto or meetings. We say from Toronto, but my guy, you're in Sarnia. You know? <laughs> What's wrong with Sarnia, bro? Sarnia is. I think you have family in Sarnia. I have family in Sarnia. You don't. You're lying. I swear to God, I have my godfather and his whole family's in Sarnia. You know what I'm saying? I know that there's a peanut factory in Sarnia. Actually, when I was born, um, after I was born a few years, like a few moments after, I was brought to Sarnia to like hang out with them and stuff like that. And my mom used Bro. to have a job random. out in Sarnia. Yeah, really so random. random. First time you're telling me this. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I have a god, uh, R.I.P. Mom, my godfather used to live in Sarnia, so I used to go out there to visit him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. <clears throat> how are you doing? Yeah, how are you doing, Paulina? How's I'm, your spirits? I'm really good. Um, first few months were rough. Um, from an emotional and mental standpoint. Um, I've lived most of my life with anxiety and I, before the pandemic, I had a lot of control over it. You know, after 10 years, you know how to manage it, but the pandemic pretty much just crushed all that. And I kind of had to relearn how to manage my anxiety and depression because I'm used to it's one thing to volunteer to work from home. It's another thing, thing to be forced to work from home. And I'm used to just like traveling so much and just kind of like, like my social content, my, my mental health, my fulfillment comes from travel, comes from human interaction, comes from hugs, comes from, you know, so it was just an adjustment. Now that I'm adjusted, I've kind of accepted what is the reality. Um, I feel a lot better. And so I've been, I've been really good lately yeah i couldn't agree more um not being able to hug people mm-hmm. oh, man it was it was terrible. and also knowing that like you know a simple trip to the grocery store could be fatal you know mm-hmm. um i watched my mom take the test um the other day i took her and she doesn't have covid but you know she, she wants to cross it off the list and like it was painful to watch her and i'm like i never it's not, I don't even want to be put in a position where I ever have to take that test because I like, she was gagging. Cause you know, they put it all the way. I was like, nah, I'm good. Like nothing, no meetings worth it. Nobody is, you know, worth me leaving my house for any reason other than like to get food and water, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, my mom works in, 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 uh, for the government in, um, in, in healthcare. So yeah. she's uh, on the front line. She has to work on Sundays now. 
um, mm. from Sunday to Thursday just to keep like the, the shifts going so it's always somebody on point you know and one thing that was hard for me um was that on my birthday was june 1st right before george floyd she came to visit me but i couldn't even hug her you know mm-hmm. when she came in man that that was hard not being able to oh like, hold you at your own parents yes, that's man. tough that's yeah. tough i'm here with yeah. my parents and like i love the time that i get with them because before I was just, I think every workaholic has a, has an appreciation for this time too. Cause before, mm-hmm. you know, you're just going, 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 living your life. And like, you know, if a girlfriend wants to book a catch up with me, she had to book three weeks out. You know what I mean? If I was missing birthdays and milestones and weddings and anniversaries, and now I finally have time to be present. And I think that's so important. And like, it's taught me a really big lesson. You fly out a lot in te- uh, to LA and New York like what do you do there like do you have a place there uh what's like the whole nature not well I was considering moving <clears throat> until until we saw how fucked up shit was over there um I was considering moving um I go to I go to New York maybe every two to three weeks i uh, not now pre-pandemic um I think that it's really important when navigating business is to understand like your demographic um from a location standpoint like i work with celebrities and high net worth individuals i don't want to say they don't exist in toronto but it's not like it's slim pickings right Mm -hmm. so i have to go to new york la dc atlanta because that's where my market is um so from my 20s i used to skip my rogers phone bill because you know they don't care you know, skip my phone bill to like pay for flights. You know what I mean? I used to, when I was broke and like, you know, build my networks over there. I remember when I had zero contacts and then just slowly because of the emergence of social media, you can literally reach out to anyone in the world. So any, anywhere I would go, I just reach out prematurely and I just say, Hey, what's up? I'm going to be in town for 48 hours. I'd love to catch up with you and just make it easy on them. I'd go to their office and I'd have an agenda and you know what I mean? So like, just fostering these relationships. Of course, you can do it on Zoom or you can do it on the phone, but nothing is like um, having a collision of ideas with somebody. Nothing is like, you know, having that, that chemistry in person, that exchange of energy with somebody because it's long lasting. They always remember the vibe and I'm a whole experience. You know what I mean? So like they always remember that and that has a ripple effect. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's a great place to start off uh, things with. So to start things off, like, how would you, like, what's your elevator pitch? If someone asks you, okay, who is Paulina Reed? How would you define yourself? I'm a millennial woman who has fought for her dreams and won. Mm-hmm. That oh, is my a... elevator pitch. You fought for your <laughs> dreams and won. Okay. <laughs> like, I think it's really important. I think people are so hung up on titles. I talk about this a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of people are hung up on titles, CEO, writer, speaker, whatever the case may be. Um, I want to encourage all the listeners to really understand who they are beyond the title, right? Uh, My purpose is not writing, mentoring, speaking, philanthropy. My purpose is helping people see beyond the limits of their circumstances. And I use all of the titles that people have given me. I use all of those as vessels to exercise my purpose every single day. Mm. Now, was this the uh, elevator pitch that you gave in the uh in the lobby no it definitely was not um that was more along the lines of i am a journalist and celebrity ghostwriter mm-hmm. i help the leaders and doers who are shaping the future turn their personal stories into brand assets kind of like judy smith meets cardi b mm. okay so with that there's a lot of intentional things 
that you did with that, you know? The, <laughs> I'm like, Judy Smith meets Cardi B. That was very intentional. Can you break down some of the things that you did in the elevator pitch that uh, was specific to communicate certain things? Yeah, I think it's very important to be clear and concise, get to the point, right? Um, and I think that it's also important to not to play small. So I think sometimes people default to, I kind of do this, or I'm kind of working on that, or I'm an aspiring this. And it's like, no, like, you're not an aspiring writer, you're a writer. You know what I mean? Say it with your chest, say it with bass in your voice. Um, and I think that it's also important to say not just who you are, who are the types of people that you help, how do you help them, right? And then I did that last part, Judy Smith meets Cardi B. I learned that from my mentor, Shannon Boudram, who's been my mentor for a decade. Because um, uh -oh. I think that it's a great conversation starter as well. And I also think that, you know, it makes people think a little bit like, uh, like for a second, you're like, how, what, you know? So Judy Smith is the inspiration behind Olivia Pope, right? She's a fixer, right? Um, she's a mastermind. Uh, Cardi B is the one of the best to ever do it on social. Before we knew her as Cardi B, the Cardi B, she was killing it just being herself, right? Like she is an experience. She is a vibe. And so um, before we knew her on Lover and Hip Hop, she was making us laugh because she was talking about her day stripping. She was talking about, she was just true to herself. There's no fluff. There's no cyber glitter. There was no um, mask. And so, uh, yeah, I married the two. And so I'm a fixer, you know, clients come to me. So that's politicians, high performing executives, celebrities, athletes. They come to me when they want to deepen the relationship with their audience. So that could be, um, I guess I try to help them think about, you know, what does life look like for you after you put down that last ball or after you sing that last song? What do you want to stand for? What are your morals, your values, your belief system? What are you fighting for? What cause do you want to contribute to? What narrative or conversation do you want to, um, do you want to start? You know what I mean? We're seeing Meek Mill and the work he's doing with prison reform. You know, we're seeing a lot of celebrities that like think about, you know, longevity and legacy in their brand. Um, the reason I got into this work as a ghostwriter is also for the mere fact that a lot of the leaders and the people that we glorify, the people that we put in these leadership positions, you know, it's, it's very evident that some of them are incapable of leading us anywhere, directing us anywhere. And so as a content ninja, I'm able to get into these rooms with influential people who have an incredible impact on our communities and kind of decode their ideas and help them execute. Solid. So your passion for writing uh, started from like a very young age. Uh, you've been doing this like for your whole life uh, through high school, uh, through college. Uh, talk to us about the beginning of like your writing journey and like what really inspired you to fall in love with the process of writing. Um, I was bullied as a kid. I was a nerd. I was not a scholar. I was the kid that was sitting in the back of the classroom. Um, the teacher would always seem like he or she was speaking a, a different language to me. Um, mm. I later realized in my 20s that I'm a visual learner. So it was really hard for me to retain information. So I didn't do well academically. And so I spent a lot of time by myself. I had, I had a few friends, but I spent a lot of time by myself, um, the cafeteria, the girls' washroom, um, you know, the library. And I mean, what else is there to do but eat your lunch and write? You know what I mean? Um, so you don't look like a loner. Um, so yeah, so that's where my love for writing came from because in those quiet moments, that's when life was peaceful and perfect. 
you know, I mean, if only for an hour or so. Um, and that kind of evolved into, you know, even though I failed my English classes um, miserably, um, it kind of evolved into, you know what, maybe this is a thing. Back then, blogging didn't really emerge until 2009, 2010-ish. So like, it wasn't like, I didn't even know what kind of career path this would be. I just knew that I was chasing a feeling. And I think that's what we all want. We want fulfillment, right? And so I knew when I was writing, I felt really good because I was able to express myself. I didn't know what it was called. Like, I didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, got you. And what changed from when you got to college, university, post-secondary? So when I went to my counselor and I went to my parents and I said, I want to be a writer, they said, you're tripping. No, like, because yeah. I, I had failed grade 11 and 12 English. So like they just didn't understand number one, how are you going to make a living from writing? And then number two, um, like, what is that? You know what I mean? Like how, like what what do you want to get into? And so uh, I entered a college program. I entered office administration at Sheridan college in Brampton and I hated it. I, at the time I didn't realize the value in it. I later became a executive assistant to CEOs and presidents for a decade. But at the time, I did not see the value in it. Um, I just kind of saw it as like a cubicle job. It didn't allow me to be creative. And I was really, really depressed because of it. I missed a lot of school. I, um, you know, my grades weren't awesome. Um, I didn't socialize. And it led to a suicide attempt in my second year. Um, As a result of that, once I recovered, I decided to drop out almost immediately. And I remember during my second year exam week, I um, ripped up my exam, um, shut my laptop and just kind of walked out the door and told myself I'd figure it out. And I think that's the story of a lot of creatives. We, at some point you make the decision to turn the world into your classroom. Yeah, I can, I can attest to that, man. Personally, I remember just failing classes and being, you know what, I'm going to go start a blog and, <laughs> and I was yeah. my girl at the time and my mom being like what are you doing like mm-hmm. yeah I definitely can agree to that um and with like that parental pressure man it can be tough and like, your pops is like a military man no yeah, yeah so my dad is a uh lieutenant in the Canadian military um uh, he's a retired uh soccer coach he's widely known across the province for transforming players and helping them get scholarships yeah. um you know he's a hand he's jamaican he's a handyman he's a this and that you know what i mean like he you know he pretty much built our house like you know so he's he's always had an entrepreneurial mindset yeah. but my mother you know pair that with a mom who's a little bit more traditional mm-hmm. a little bit more reserved likes to play it safe does not color outside the lines um trinidadian so she's hot you know spicy um and so like even you know it just i they just couldn't get on the same page as to like what my future looked like and i'm the i'm the first so you always want to make an example of your first child and so we just, we all could not agree. And then I just gave in and I, you know, I, I'm on the, under the belief that, you know, your parents love you, of course, but they don't always know what's best for you. And so um, I wish I had realized that a lot sooner, but you know, everything plays out as it's supposed to. I, I actually appreciate that tough love because it forced me to fight a lot harder for the things that I wanted. Had my parents just been like, yes, you could do whatever you want. Like, I don't know if I'd be where I am today because I wouldn't have had to fight for anything. It would have just been a clear path. And like, I, I think it would have been a little bit different. 
Yeah, I actually just saw like a Gary Vee clip. Uh, you know, he posts like a lot of content and he was talking to some kids just like, oh, my mom wants me to be a lawyer, but I want to be an artist or whatever. And you know how Gary Vee is like very brash. He's <laughs> just like, yo, screw your mom. Do you love your mom? Do you hate your mom? Yeah, I love her. But like, don't listen to her then because you're going to resent her. So I think like a lot of people are like in this mode of, I want to please my parents. And I also had the same thing, you know, coming from an immigrant family, Kenya, they're like, hey, grades are everything go to school i even left rice that's all they know that's all they know right that's their picture of success you know so Mm -hmm. and also like they want you to feel to fulfill their dreams Mm -hmm. you know they're like i'm gonna have a kid that's gonna be able to do x you know i didn't get a chance to do exactly have a better life than me but i think it's important to let your kid make mistakes and get messy and explore the world and you know what i mean like i think that shit's really important because that's how that's what builds character um you know i think that you know when we grow up as children you know we're told we can fly a rocket ship and we can do anything we want to be and then you get to high school and then every single person every adult in your life tells you, you need to be more realistic and i think it's a mind fuck for some people. I think, you know, sometimes people are just like, young people are just like, but a few years ago, you said I could literally like go to the moon. And now you're saying, oh, I need to be in this cubicle as if getting a job at 70K a year is going to like, you you know what I mean? That that, that equation doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. Like because of the economy and because of just everything that's going on, it's like, I mean, now we're seeing everyone wanting to, all of a sudden create a side hustle and before it was kind of like no one has time for your side hustle type of thing you know a hundred percent hundred percent you gotta get into your side hustle and your main yeah. hustle and the yeah sure you have. um but we want to take our time you know put people on get the to journey. know you you feel exactly. me All yeah get, get the experience um so one thing that i just want to touch on before we move on as well was that mm-hmm. you play chess you know and I love a board game myself. You yeah. know, I, just for the audience, um, in Connect Four, I'm a bad man. Oh like, gosh, like, I'll murk you in Connect Four. In daycare, I used to kill everybody in Connect what? Four. Bro. Yes, um, um, I play Connect Four every day. Like every you day. You don't play. I've been every at your place. Day. Actually, you do have a Connect Four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I literally, <laughs> literally, it's like right there. Like, <laughs> like you feel me? Like every day. Oh, uh, bro. But when I come back, it's a match, man. I. You play chess every day. Yeah. Why is that? And how does that affect your strategic uh, mindset in life? Yeah, for sure. So I think that many people pursue goals that they're not mentally conditioned for. And that's why they're not seeing the results that they want. And um, before you can invest in the Facebook ads and the funnels and all that bullshit, um, I shouldn't say bullshit. It is very helpful. Thank you. I was about to get you. No, you know know what I mean, though? Before you can invest in that phase of business, like, you got to take it back to the basics, right? I I love Jim Quick. He talks about brain health, brain protection, um, uh, agility, uh, mental acuity, how to um, uh, help your memory, retain information. He's a brain coach to many, many superstars, including Will Smith. And um, even before I was introduced to his brand, I just, for me, playing brain games just relaxes me, to be honest. Um, I think I can get, I can sit at my desk for 18 hours of the day. And it's like, sometimes just getting a little bit of a break from work 
um, is helpful for me. And so honestly, the, I mean, the, I'm actually part of a chess club. I recently joined a chess club um, as an adult. I used to be part of a chess club as a kid. And just strategically, I use it as a metaphor for life and business. Um, it helps me think two steps ahead. Um, I just, I don't know. It's one of those games where you have to practice patience. You're forced to practice patience. It's not something that you can rush or else, I mean, forget it. Um, and yeah, I, brain games of any kind, I think, are really, really helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. That's the reason why I do that with Connect4 as well. Just being able to strategize and try to see steps ahead can make a big difference in how you look at life and how you look at uh, how you're moving. So you think, all right, if I do X, then this will happen. And if I do Y, then this will happen and try to exactly. uh, make the proper moves around that. Yeah, interesting. mental warfare. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah. did you have that kind of mentality when you went to, uh, after you drop out of university and start making moves on your own to become an executive assistant like what was that strategic move in your head? yeah for sure so in the beginning i didn't really see the value like i just i was so angry that and i thought i had wasted so much time and da, 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 da. i didn't really see the value in it but the more i ascended in my corporate career the more i was like holy shit, this is the mm -hmm. best position in the entire organization so i assisted c-suite executives um and presidents and i mean not only did i get a bird's eye view of the entire organization it allowed me to sit in various strategy meetings right because i would take the minutes or the notes um i got to sit next to the head of the organization manage their calendars see what they prioritized right i got to learn the language like many of my bosses so in my corporate career i've always had um specific requirements. I feel like it's a two-way street. I think people just kind of go where the money flows. For me, like the money was never um, a priority for me. I always valued bosses who could be mentors. I always valued a stimulating environment. I always valued um, millennial-driven offices, um, great company culture, et cetera. Because many of the corporate jobs that I had, I actually entered at my salary cap. So I knew I wasn't getting a raise, but that like that was, money was just whatever i really wanted to learn um so yeah honestly best position in the company i've had the opportunity to really sit down with my bosses and learn how to read sales reports you know what i mean learn how to like decode certain things and so i have to say being an assistant or an intern is like by far i think the best the best opportunity because you really get a chance to prove yourself you get a chance to try different things within your role and um you just, you earn a lot of respect because it's actually, it's, this is not a, a rinky dinky secretary role. This is like, you are managing someone's life that you are their lifeline. Um, and you're taking care of, I remember, I remember one of my bosses flew to Morocco with the kids and told his wife that it was going to be, um, you know, just a, a little family getaway type of thing not knowing that, you know, he, it was an actual work trip. And so I had to babysit the kids from Toronto while they're, while he's in meetings all day and they're in Morocco, I had to come up with their calendar and their agenda and their sports and their activities. Like you're, you're such an inter, in, you're such, you're so integrated into their everyday life that you have to, you're forced to think ahead. You're forced to um, exercise critical thinking. You're forced to exercise problem solving. You're forced to really just like, like you, there's no room for error because one error could cost the company money, could cost your boss's reputation, could um, cost you your job. So it really forced me to tighten up in so many ways. 
Mm. And which company did you learn the most from? Like when you look back at your uh, corporate career, which company was it that really helped you see this is the way to do things? The the boss who helped you understand things the way that you actually can translate to, uh, that to your business? Yeah, absolutely. I would say Hudson's Bay Company. Hudson's Bay, okay. Hudson's Bay, my most recent, that's um, the most recent corporate job that I had that I uh, recently, that I quit uh, January 2019. They were very instrumental, I would say from a business standpoint. And then from a personal standpoint, um, I was an executive assistant to the president of um, an interior design firm um, almost immediately out of college. And he, oh my God, he'd rip me one every day. I'd cry on the bathroom floor probably every single week. But it taught me a lot of like, he was, I mean, he was old enough to be my grandfather, but taught me a lot of like um, how to have uh, a backbone and how to have a uh, thick skin. I remember trying to quit and he wouldn't let me. And he's like, I'm, he's what? like, I'm, he wouldn't let me quit. And so yeah. he said, I treat you this way because I know what you're capable of. Like he saw the older Big me before I could even, yeah. yeah, like he wow. really knew, he, he knew what I was capable of. And so like, I have so much respect for him for, for being tough on me. You know what I mean? I think our generation, we kind of have it easy, you know what I mean? And so the first sight of your boss yelling at you, it's like, you fall apart, but he really taught me to, to hold my head up, you know, shoulders back, you know, walk with confidence. Like I loved it. Yeah. That's what, that's why I've always appreciated like tough coaches and sports. Um, like this, I think like this whole new generation, it's like, we're so easy. Like parents are like, Hey, you yelled at my kid. You know, you're causing him stress, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But back then it's like our coach in football, basketball, he was just a tough militant type of guy. Like, you know, it's like, you have to carry yourself as if you belong on the court or else you're sitting on the bench. And I think all of us, even my teammates, we still talk about this. It's like, you know what? I'm so thankful for, uh, for coach L's. One of the things he used to say is just like, you know, one of the key things uh, to succeed in life is showing up, right? You got to show up to play. You got to show up to the meeting, prepared, ready to go. Uh, everything all comes down to showing up mentally, physically, spiritually, and yeah. uh, ready to execute at anything you do. It's, it's funny that you said sports. Um, so I was a competitive swimmer for 10 years. And I really think participating in sports and activities really groomed me. Um, in my family, like we don't celebrate participant ribbons. Like if you get seventh place, it's not like you're not getting a, you know, a pat on the back. And so like, it's like, if you're participating in sports, like it's because we're trying to get to the Olympics, the period. Win, yeah. Yeah. And so um, by the time I'd hit grade six, I was training at 5am most days of the week. I train at 5am in the water and then I go to school for 730, go to school come back to the gym for an hour and then go back um, to swim practice um, for two more hours. And so that was, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like a lot of the success we have today are because of seeds that were planted in us years ago. Um, and I will, like, I ha that's an advantage. Some people could, you know, can't afford to play sports or whatnot. Um, so I understand that like that has helped me tremendously as well. Yeah. And your mornings are still kind of like that nowadays, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. My body alarm clock wakes me up quite early. Yeah, I see your training videos on IG. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you go hard. I, like, I, like, the workouts you do, I'm like, damn. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even do, like, your workouts look intense. For the audience, go to Polina's uh, IG and, like, look at her workouts. Like, she goes in. But you like, know what? I feel like working out develops your mental toughness because mm -hmm. it wasn't always like that you know what i mean over the years you gain a few pounds a year you get sluggish you get comfortable we got uber eats now 
So like when I first started with my trainer, I was really, really slow. I was really down on myself. Um, it was actually depressing because you're just like, you know what I mean? Like you want to, you want so badly to be like the 20 year old you once were, but you, your body physically can't. So that conditioning, remember we talked about mental conditioning and as you're pursuing your goals, I think physical health is also really important. Like I'm not trying to be skinny. Like that's not my vibe. Like, but I want to be able to kick ass both in and out of the office. I'm also a woman who travels a lot by herself. You know what I mean? I'm also a, a survivor of sexual assault. So like for me, it's not just about trying to be like physically fit, but actually really strong and confident as I navigate the world as a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, most definitely. That's very important. And important. it helps with your business as well, because like your mind is a direct reflection of your body, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a, if you have a bad body, eventually your mind is going to follow. So yeah. keeping your, your mind sharp is keeping your body sharp. One thing I'm going to touch on is your book, Everything I Couldn't Tell My Mother. Uh, could you tell us about launching that book, what the purpose of that book was? Yeah, um, I think mother-daughter relationships are quite complex. And um, today I have an amazing relationship with my mom. She's like my best friend, but it took us, honestly, it took us like 30 years to get here. And I think that's the story of many um uh, mother-daughter relationships of, uh, you know, Caribbean backgrounds. And so I had a lot of skeletons in my closet, a lot of things I had been suppressing. And that's another thing too, right? Like if you're trying to achieve any level of success, like you really need to, um, uh, on a personal level, there's some things you might need to clean up or address. Like you can't just like sweep shit under the rug. Like a lot of us have been taught our whole lives. And so like, I got tired of being, of wearing a mask. I got tired of just like being someone I wasn't. Um, and when you don't live your truth, you allow other people to tell your story. And so I laid everything out on the table of some traumatic experiences that I had gone through. And um, it was like the first step to like me really feeling like, you know, it's taking that, that breath and just exhaling. Um, you know, it did quite well. I think a lot of people could relate to it. Um, I think, you know, as a kid, I thought I was going to be a not like a famous novelist and produce a book a year. And then I birthed one and I was like, forget it. Like, you know what I mean? It took me four years to write my first book. Um, but it's work that I'm really proud of. And you got, and you got started with this at uh, remix, right? Yeah. Remix project. Oh my yeah. gosh. I graduated from remix November, 2009. How is that? Like what's, uh, for people who don't know, like tell us what remix is and how it really helped you get on. Uh, to your path towards like your journey in business and in writing and et cetera? Yeah, well, Remix, I mean, it's not a club. I want to call it a club, but it's like, it is um, an organization that facilitates uh, programs, curriculums, workshops to youth across uh, Toronto, across the GTA. Um, they have various programs in creative arts and business, photography, et cetera. I joined early 2009, and that was really where I met Brian Brock, who's one of the deans at Remix. And um, he introduced me to my mentor, Shannon Boudram. And Shannon was very instrumental in helping me get a literary agent. She's very instrumental in helping me framework the book. I remember the first draft that I gave her of the first chapter, she was like, this is shit. Like, this is not good. Um, 
The reason she said that is because I remember one of my greatest influences is Sister Soldier. And I was trying to embody her and trying to write like her. And it wasn't true. What I submitted to Shannon wasn't true to me. And so she could, she could see right through it. And so she really told me just to like, write from your heart, write from your truth, write from your experiences. Like you don't have to try and capture someone else's voice. And so, uh, yeah, she was super helpful and we still have a great relationship today. Shout out to Shannon Boudram, you know, giving, creating the, the book, um, The Game of Desires getting my girl to ask me all types of damn questions <laughs> you know what i'm awesome. saying what's your love language um, <laughs> no i'm playing i'm playing no but honestly the shots are shining i actually was watching a concert from a minute ago and she's really been impactful in my yeah. life you know, both in business and in like my, my personal life to say the least you feel me um so one thing you just mentioned though was a literary agent what is that so when you try to pursue a not try when you are pursuing a book deal um, in a traditional sense, like you want to sign with a large publisher, you need a literary agent to represent you. Um, also as a ghostwriter, so I have a literary agent now as a ghostwriter because um, the literary agent is, help, uh, is able to help me broker deals um, with celebrities and large publishers. Go on now. There's Go just on certain now. rooms that you can't, I'm, I pride myself on being um, excellent at getting into rooms with very busy people um, but there's just certain rooms that you just cannot tap into unless you have representation and the agent helps with those negotiations got you got you could you, could you give an example like so you have your ghostwriting business mm-hmm. like when it gets to the, the starting of that yeah. what is so he helps you get into this business by saying how i oh i know he's at a table and saying hey we need a ghostwriter here's paulina that is that kind of how it works <laughs> Um, no. Okay. So I, okay. So for instance, I was approached by, who was I approached by? Um, one of the lead prosecutor, one of the lead prosecutors of the Bill Cosby trial. So she wants to write a book. So she found me online. She types in, you know, black ghostwriter finds me online and we have a conversation. She wants to write a book, wants to pursue a book deal. I then loop in my agents. My agent then negotiates on my behalf, my rates, the gotcha. deadlines, right? Um, and just like uh, all, like facilitates all the contracts, right? I create the proposal, a book proposal that will then go to the publisher. And so my my agent pretty much advises me on how to conduct myself in the context of this of this deal, right? She will sit at the table. She will represent me. Like it's just it's almost like if I was a model and had an agent, you know, and, and get to get bookings. It's the same thing, like. She she helps me like get the best deal possible. Got you. Um, writing your book and I, like one of the things that I want to know is the process of writing a book. Like when you think about writing a book, you're like, okay, let me get a Microsoft Word, let me do this. Like, what's the process? How long does it take you? Um, how many drafts do you go through to get a book finished and then publishing it, selling it, promoting it? How does a Talk to us about that journey because you've written out two books you have up um, and we're going to get emotions. mixed emotions as well. So you, your first book was your first one. That, that was like rookie season. And then you come up with your <laughs> second book, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, the second book didn't take as long. It probably, it took less than a year. Um, I think it's important to put yourself on a writing schedule. Mm-hmm. I think that it's important to push through writer's block. 
So if, you know, I like to write in long periods, so I can't just sit at a, I'm not going to sit at my desk and, you know, write for an hour at a time. I like to actually work in like longer sessions. Like if I'm working on a book, maybe six hours or eight hours at a time, I like to be in a zone. I think that it's important. The prerequisite work is just like living your life and exposing yourself to people, places, and things so that you can be imaginative, creative, um, write without bounds. You know what I mean? Um, and so like, I'm just, I'm a lover of politics and pop culture and, you know, fashion trends, et cetera. And so the, all that plays a role in how the story unfolds. Um, if I'm working in the context of a ghostwriter, my primary focus is to really um, capture my client's voice, right? Um, actively listen to their, what they're telling me. So we have a series of interviews. And from there, you know, I put my sauce on it and produce um, the work for them. Got it. Amazing. So when did you start off as a ghostwriter? What was that story like? So as an assist, as an executive assistant, I actually uh, was a ghostwriter and didn't even know it because I would pen my boss's emails and uh, company-wide newsletters, um, speeches, et cetera. But I, it wasn't until 2014, I actually stumbled across an article um, about a ghostwriter who dropped out of high school. And I kind of put it in my memory bank. You know, I pursued a career in journalism and as an author and a philanthropist. And I did all these things, a speaker. Then I'm like, I knew I was always going to come back to it. I came back to it in 2016 when I connected with a mentor based out of Philly. And um, she hired me as a part-time writer. I worked remotely. And um, my first assignment for her was to write a speech for someone who was speaking at the 2016 Forbes Women's Summit, um, a really, really, really big supermodel. And so from there, she introduced me to the celebrity world. And the more I worked for her, the more I was like, I could do this. I started my agency officially 2017. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the rest is history. I started with zero clients. It was really, just, I knew it was really just about, I like, because again, because I was an assistant and I worked under my mentor, the primary focus, it wasn't like necessarily the bottom line. The primary focus to them was nurturing relationships. And so that was my strategy. I said, if, as long as I could get into the room, then that means I have the opportunity to pitch. And that means I have the opportunity to work with them. So I just really like, I just need to get in the room. Everything else will work itself out. Um, oh, amazing. Um, is there like a, like, let's dig deeper into the business of being a ghostwriter, you know, because yeah. we want to, you know, perhaps someone can be listening to this and they want to like learn more about the ghostwriting business. Like what does sure. the business model look like um, when you approach a client? Is there like a repeat business uh, that yeah, come sure. to you time, time again? And so yeah. I have uh, 12 writers that work for me. It's honestly way bigger than I envisioned. I, I, I like to, I want to keep my team tight and small, but we've been incredibly blessed. And so I've had to hire more people. I have 12 writers. I have eight transcribers. I have two editors and one researcher on my team. And so we are doing everything from books to keynote speeches. We also do website copy, um, public statements, business communications, investor pitch decks, anything that's a brand asset right requires copy um uh two two of our primary services are books and keynote speeches we try and really keep things high level um but on the occasion we will work with small businesses on various different projects um 
so the model is this. If people want to work with me directly, they pay a premium. Otherwise, they're going to work with one of my senior um, writers. Um, everyone is excellent at what they do. Um, we don't have any squares in our circle. We're only as strong as our weakest link. Um, during this time of COVID-19 and the civil unrest, we've been incredibly busy as, you know, white CEOs shaking their boots, <laughs> as um, executives and talent in Hollywood are trying to wrap their head around things. Um, many of them have white teams who cannot help them during this time. So we've stepped in. Um, and, you know, when we're working on projects, um, sometimes I have shown on my IG story that we're up, sometimes we're up until 3 or 4 a.m. on Zoom. And so, you know, we band together. Like, there's never just a single person just up until 4 a.m. Like, four or five of us will jump on the Zoom call and we will strategize together until we finish it together. Um, company culture is very important. Um, and I think I owe it to myself and I owe it to the team to always to continue to evolve and reassess myself as a leader. I recently finished, actually this week, I finished my course, my women's leadership course at Yale, um, because I really needed to understand and maybe unlearn some things. You know what I mean? We're, we're entering a different time. And so I really had to check myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, the company does really well. I, I'm on my path to scaling it um, to a million dollars um, in revenue. Um, that is like a really important goal of mine. Um, I would love to open offices or open divisions in um, Europe, Asia, um, you know, different languages, expanding to different languages. At some point, I will hire a CEO and step down um, because I want to have a family. I want to get married. Um, I'm passionate about mental health and youth education. So I have some other endeavors and initiatives that I want to start. Um, but for right now, we're, you know, I'm at the height of my career and I love the work that we're doing. Man, I have so many questions to follow up with that. Same here, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, okay. One thing that really stood out was that was the 3 a.m., you know, or 4 a.m., staying up super late. That sounds to me like a, an extremely motivated team. Mm. What do you do as a leader to motivate them? I'm very transparent. So a lot of CEOs and founders, they hide certain things from their team. We are, you know, in our team meetings, in our WhatsApp group, I'm very transparent. If they ask me certain questions or like any meetings that I have this week, I'm telling them about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's no like barrier or walls. And so I think they appreciate that. Um, the way I carry myself, I think they appreciate that I have their back. Um, I think they appreciate my hustle, but I think the most important thing that motivates them and um, decreases our turnover is the fact that I truly understand that their work with me is only one smart, one, sorry, one part of the bigger picture for their lives. At some point, they're going to move on, right? At some point, they're going to pursue other dreams and endeavors. Um, and I want them to be ready for that next phase. And so we do everything in our power at Writer's Block to make sure that their skills are refined, to make sure that they have the tools they need, questions are answered, um, and that they're able to move on feeling really, really confident if they ever choose to move on. Um, they have other goals, other dreams. This is like, this is a, a blimp on the radar, you know? So I keep that in mind. And I, I'm very generous with my with the knowledge that I have and anything that they need to do their jobs better, I make sure I facilitate that. One of my editors, 
she wanted to uh, take a certificate course to increase her, you know, her skill set. You know, I paid for that. You know, one of my um, designers, you know, she wanted to take a course at BrainStation, pay for that too. Like, there's no hesitation with me. Whatever you need to do to be a ninja, you know what I mean? Whatever you need to do to be excellent in your role, like, let's do it. Uh, you also mentioned that you've done a million dollars in revenue, right? No, nope, uh, I'm on the path to. On the path. On the path to. I'm a uh, six-figure chick still. Six figures, but you're close though, you know. Well, um, we'll definitely hit. I I'm confident we'll hit half a mil this year. Okay, okay. Um, knowing like how far you've come from from your journey, and now you actually have a six figure business. Uh, what do you attribute that success to from like knowing where you started from, like with the hardships that you went through to actually getting here right now? Uh, what are some things that you attribute? Like if you can mention three things that actually like, you know what, these three principles helped me get to build this type of business and make it sustainable over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, getting clear on what I want. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, excuse me. I think a lot of people write down their goals on a sheet of paper, throw it in a drawer, come back to it when, you know, later. Um, every single day I revisit my goals. Every single day I revisit my goals. My goals are written in the form of affirmations as if they've already happened. I speak that shit into existence. I'm very deliberate and intentional with the energy um, and the tone that I set for the day. And that's, you know, part of my morning routine. Second thing is um, I hang out with wealthy people. You know what I mean? Like, um, I always say, like, if you have five broke friends, you're probably going to be the sixth. So I hang out with wealthy people. I drive through wealthy neighborhoods. I take detours and I'll park up in front of a, a mansion or two. And I just think about, I just think to myself, like, how, how in the hell did they, like, you know what I mean? I just like, I go through so many questions in my mind as to like, how did you guys get here? What does this person probably do? I kind of just like have those conversations with myself because the thing is like, you have to engage in elevated conversations to shift your mindset. I'm part of a mastermind group, part of two mastermind groups. And one of my mastermind groups, um, there's five women, including myself, two are millionaires. And one of the millionaires is getting ready to purchase a resort. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like you in certain spaces with my, some of my friends, like that would even be a conversation. So like you have to put yourself in environments where the conversation and the air is just different. The third thing I'll say is um, my level of consistency and I would say patience. I mean, there are some deals that I work on, you know, we may initially meet in January and maybe the deal doesn't close until June. I'm incredibly persistent, consistent, and patient with the process because I find that like, and that's why my sales funnel is always full. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I value the relationship I value the customer's needs. I like to study human behavior, why people make certain decisions. And anyone who's going to pay me 30K, 40K, 50K for an assignment, number one, you better be able to answer every question they have. And number two, like they need to feel something. They need to feel connected. They need to feel protected. They need to feel like their uh, privacy is going to be um, respected. So that's a process. You know what I mean? No one's just throwing you 50K just, you know, just cause. Um, and so I'm, I'm just very patient and I, I uh, allow people to feel like they can let their guard down and um, 
you know, they want to work with us because, you know, we're really good at what we do. Go ahead. You've said, um, you know, like this is, you said early on, you said conditioning your mind for success, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been working towards something, but they've not conditioned it. Correct me. Uh, I don't verbatim. You said yeah. something along those lines, right? Yeah. A lot of people um, are working towards goals that they're not mentally mm-hmm. conditioned for. Uh, talk to us about conditioning your mind towards success. You know, you hung out with wealthy people, you're consistent, persistent. How does someone condition their minds to become ready for success? I think you need to let go of some of the narratives or unlearn some things that we have my, that we might've been taught by previous generations, our parents mm-hmm. or grandparents. Sometimes the environments in which we were raised in um, are not always uh, the healthiest and um, depending on the money habits of your parents or the relationship they've had with money, that will affect the choices that you make. So I think that's like the first thing, right? And the second thing is asking questions, raising your hand, right? I have a money team. I have a, a bookkeeper, accountant, financial advisor. And I just, you know, I ask questions. I, I'm very curious. And so I am very forthcoming with the things I don't know, you know? And so you can't be afraid to have those conversations up front. You know what I mean? It's sometimes, you know, in the beginning when you don't got no money, it's a little bit embarrassing. You may feel, you know, shameful or whatever, but you, you just got to strip all that shit away. You know what I mean? Because if you want to get to, everyone starts at zero. You want to get to a certain point. Like you just have to really, you just understand that like, it's just going to be a journey and you're going to feel naked most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm very transparent. And, you know, the more money I make, I need to be less transparent, but I'm very transparent um, on social media about my income reports. You know what I mean? There's a lot of uh, cyber glitter happening. A lot of people who are woo woo and like, you know, like you can't, it's hard to tell who's for real and who's not. And so um, for me, it's not a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like I screenshot, like I'm known, I'm widely known for screenshotting my conversations with clients or with, um, with um, my mentees. Um, I'm widely known for screenshotting my bank accounts. You know what I mean? Like I, to me, it, money comes and it flows and it goes, you know what I mean? Like for me, it's like, it's like, doesn't make, make me who I am. Um, but I want people to really understand that like there is money to be made and like, you really have to live in abundance, live in expectancy. For me, I understand that any phone call, email, text can change my life. You know what I mean? Like if I pick up my phone, I'm expecting that million dollar call. You know what I mean? It's the energy that I put out is what I get in return. Most definitely. Um, for me, one thing I want to ask selfishly, you know, cause I run a uh, agency myself, um, a paid ad agency. Um, and those deals do take long. Um, but I haven't reached the point of like the, those 30,000, 60,000, six figure, um, deals, you know, what goes into though that month period, not month, few month period, um, that takes so long usually. What goes into that? Mm, such a good question. What goes into that? I think it's, it's really just a matter of getting to know somebody. Like it may be a few dinners, it could be a few phone calls. They could have a lot of questions. Like right now I'm sitting on, I'm waiting on someone to confirm a 50K deal. And it's like, you just gotta be patient. You can't rush somebody to just give you 50K. Like you gotta be patient and you gotta be able to just like, there's certain things that I say that put their mind at ease. You know, I kind of reinforce it like, okay, what I heard you say is, Right. Or I may say something like um, reinforce that their protection is my 
is of utmost importance to me, their protection, their privacy. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, they just have to come, you have to, like, once you do the work in terms of reinforcing certain things to them, they then have to come to a point where they feel confident and they feel comfortable working with you, right? So um, many people who hire me, they, you know, they do their research extensively on me, you know, and that's where constant comes into play, right? They like my vibe, they like how I carry myself, et cetera. And so it's sometimes, it's just a matter of just like waiting it out, you know? So I followed up with this individual last week um, and I'll probably, you know, what are we in? Uh, August something, uh, like early August, mid-August, I'll follow up again in maybe another week or so. But it's one of those things where it's like, you got to let things flow. You can't just be annoying. You can't just mm -hmm. be on them because then it's too transactional. You know yeah. what I mean? We had a conversation. The conversation was amazing. They know I'm here to support them. And I'll check in periodically every few weeks, every month or two. And they'll like, I'm confident they're going to come around. But it's also a matter of sometimes these people are just busy as well, right? Sometimes it's not like they're not sitting on their ass like, they're busy like this individual is a medical professional and is the leader of a very large organization like you know what i mean so i also have to be patient with schedules as well yeah most definitely most definitely um one thing i actually want to touch on is a bit different it's more of an opinion um one thing that i keep noticing is that in the, the business market there are a lot of female business empowerment groups you know yeah. fempreneur fem femme I don't know. <laughs> Bam, ba, boss Babe, <laughs> yeah. Make Lemonade, XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. And this is 100% needed. Mm -hmm. You know, women make less on the dollar than men do. This is, mm -hmm. These are facts. You know, um, one question I had for another um, podcast guest, and I would love to get your opinion on, is that should there be a space for black men? Should yeah, absolutely. Yeah? 100%. I know, but like, I'm surprised not like more people have not stepped up into that space because it's an open lane. We women have endless resources. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, everywhere you turn. And I feel like, but yes, the world of business is built for black men. Sorry. The world of business men. is for white men. Yes. White men. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, when it comes to the boys clubs, I feel like it's a little bit more closed off. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's not as welcoming um so yes absolutely i think someone should step up and i mean the lane is open so you could, anyone could dominate it i feel you i feel you um all right so moving right along switching gears a little bit um i have a hard uh, stop in, in a few minutes I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, um and i'm very conscious of your time um i want to move on to writing for forbes and mm -hmm. this what, what entrepreneurs don't uh, recognize when they're pitching to um, publications. What are some things that entrepreneurs can do before they pitch to a um, platform, Forbes, uh, entrepreneur, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, I'm going to go through this real quick. So you mm -hmm. want to come from a purpose-driven place, not an ego-driven place. Mm -hmm. So you're not pitching your success story. You're pitching the problem that you solve. The second thing you want to do is you want to make sure that your audience is aligned with where you're pitching. So it's, you don't just pitch to Forbes because that's a publication you like to read. You should study who actually is tuned in, who's the audience of Forbes or Fast Company or Entrepreneur. And you can do that easily by Googling their media kit. Um, you'll find a complete breakdown. 
Um, the next thing is make sure you have all your creative collateral. So your headshots, um, product photos, media kit, et cetera. Um, make sure all your links work and make sure you're concise. So being very brief, you don't want to send um, an editor a pitch that's like a thousand words. You want to get straight to the point. Um, organize. I, I can't even stress enough. Email etiquette is not something that's common. Organize your email so it's easy to read, spacing, bolds, um, spell checking, um, and uh, personalize it, right? Don't just jump into your pitch. Personalize the email and um, let it be known that you actually really enjoy reading the column of the specific writer. Oh, um, and, and engage with the writer on social media. You know what I mean? That's a really great way to kind of warm them up. And when you land in their inbox, it's a familiar name. Yeah. Big gem. Big gem. Yeah. Better pick it up. All right. Um, working towards wrapping up, what have we not covered that you'd like to speak about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a mentorship program called New Girl on the Block. Um, I started it in 2015. And uh, to date, I've mentored over 200 women in 10 countries. Mentorship is really important to me because when I dropped out of school, I had to stand on the shoulders of giants. And I think especially as women, as women of color, as black women, um, we need people who are going to advocate for us. There's just certain rooms we will not get invites to. And so um, my mentorship program is really important to me. You know what I mean? I have a very high success rate. Um, and it's not because I'm teaching any magical business strategies. I'm hacking their brains. A lot of people have problems with um, critical thinking, problem solving, time management, organization. And so like I get to the roots, the routines, rituals, tactics, behavioral patterns. Um, and I really get to like the foundation, um, you know, that helps them propel themselves. Amazing. And where can people find that? Newgirlontheblock.com. Amazing. Oh, and that, you heard someone say? No, no, no. Uh, I know we're running out of time. So, like, you know, I, I think we should uh, work towards, like, you know, <laughs> wrapping got you, got you, got you. Once again, Paulina, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, the hustle is what you can control. So control your grind and control your life. This is hustle over everything. Peace. Peace out.